Yeah, Father, we just recognize that you uh, are at work among us. And Holy Spirit, we're so grateful for how you have been present in homes across the world, literally over the last uh, 24 hours. And uh, we just recognize what you're doing. We submit and surrender to it again. And uh, Lord, we just welcome you into this time. I pray for every single person that's tuning in right now. Lord, would there be a sense of your presence and your friendship. Uh, Lord, we say we need your voice in these days. And so come and speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, guys, just by way of context, I know there's, uh, there's 119 of you, I think, currently um, uh, tuning in. So 117 um, faces that I can't see. And uh, I'd love to just take a couple of minutes. I'm going to introduce myself. I'll ask Jason to introduce himself, and uh, then we'll get into what we want to talk about. So for any of you who haven't met me, uh, I'm obviously Andy. Um, I lead the Lagan Valley Vineyard, which is based in Northern Ireland. Uh, we planted Lagan Valley Vineyard in September 2012, um, so nine years ago this autumn. Uh, I'm married to Dana. Um, <clears throat> some of you will know Dana. She's led worship at NLC before. She was leading worship this morning. Um, and we have three kids. Um, our daughter's nine. We're twin boys who are seven. And we live uh, just in the, the mountains, uh, foothills of the Bourne Mountains, and uh, are enjoying life over here. Uh, Jess, will you give us a second and just uh, introduce yourself for anybody that doesn't know who you are, a bit of context? Um, sure. Um, so back. we live in a small rural market town called Dungannon, which is in the middle of, of Northern Ireland, and the, the area is called Mid-Ulster. So we planted um, back in 2004, Michelle and I, with three young kids at the time, and um, loving it, love, love the community that we get to be part of. Then we planted our Ma vineyard in around 2014, and then uh, a couple from that clan took, became uh, the main leaders, the senior leaders, and took it on themselves. And then just in 2019, we planted a church again in a similar type market town about uh, 30 minutes drive from here called Macrofell. And um, what was interesting about that, we opened our, we did table and community up until February. And we went live, opened our doors to the public in February, and we closed the doors on uh, March. So, but still have a connection there, still have a community. So that's my story today. Brilliant. Um, you guys uh, tuning in should know Jason is one of my dearest friends. Um, we connected for the first time uh, in 2007, 2006 in New York. Uh, while I was in, living in the States. Um, but he's not here because he's my friend. Um, as you've just heard, he's on the church plant number three. And uh, he's a voice that I deeply respect and somebody I go to regularly for help and advice around leadership especially. So um, I've asked you to just kind of uh, help uh, as we unpack what we want to talk about. Um, what, I, what I'd like to do is maybe share a little bit of, of some of my journey of the last 12 months and um, just lay out some of that. And then I'm gonna ask Jason some questions. Uh, I'm gonna share a bit of a paradigm that's been really helpful for me, I guess, in terms of answering the question, what's the season that we're in? And then therefore, what does that mean for us as leaders? Um, but before we do any of that, I just wanna recognize if you're in the room right now and you're leading a church, um, I, I just want to recognize that what you're doing uh, right now is a really, really hard thing. And uh, not only is it a really hard thing, it's a thing that very few other people understand other than church leaders. It's not to say that it's a, a, it's a harder thing than what other people are dealing with in the current circumstances. But we do have to recognize, I think, uh, that what we are doing right now and being asked to do it's really, really difficult, and that therefore has all kinds of implications and effects on our uh, emotional well-being, our spiritual well-being, and our physical well-being. And I thought what Joe said this morning around paying attention to our bodies was such good wisdom right now that in the midst of all of the complexity and change 
and competing pressures and dynamics. It's so important that we're tuned in to, to what's going on in our physical bodies as we process who we are as leaders and how we change and adapt uh, through, this, uh, through this pandemic. But I just want to really, really encourage you. Uh, most of us in pastoral ministry have gifts that are best expressed in the presence of other people. Uh, whether that's small groups, one-to-one, in large rooms, preaching and communicating and leading and all those sorts of things. Uh, and the reality is for almost all of that, for the last nearly 12 months, it's just been turned off. And uh, we're now trying to exercise our gifts and abilities and calling and ministry through the medium of uh, screens and cameras. And all of the intuition, all of the little cues, all of the feedback loops that we're so used to getting in reading body language or listening to how people respond to things, so much of that has been switched off or turned off or made more complicated. And uh, as a result of that uh, leading and doing ministry right now, it's just incredibly hard. And um, there's so many good stuff that the Lord is absolutely doing. But I think it's important if you're here and you're feeling a little bit low or weary or tired um, that you give yourself grace and permission to be feeling that because what you're doing right now is a hard thing. And I want to honor and commend all of you for, uh, for doing that. Um, so, Jess, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, how you have found the last year personally uh, as a leader? Uh, what's your, your own journey been like through all of the ups and downs and changes and, and everything that's been, been going yeah. on? I think for me, um, well, maybe sum it up this way. I said to somebody two days ago, I think I'll get oil in for the house for Christmas. So it shows you where I'm at. It's been all over the map. But one, of the, one of the things that I've done as a leader, just in that time of uncertainty, I don't know if this answers the question, is that in the space where there seemed to be confusion, I try to get clarity. And so what I did in that moment of confusion was I got some coaching then and uh, some counselling. Because mm. I needed to be sure I knew who I was. I knew where I was going before. I was going to take anybody else on a journey in a time of uncertainty. So I spent most of that pandemic time that first early doors lockdown where we were in and out and in so much uh, obscurity and uncertainty I, I probably the best thing I did in that moment was sought out a coach and uh, did a bit of well it was a hybrid of coaching and counseling mm. I think that was the best thing I did um, because yeah I just needed to know what I was called to who I was and from there then lead people from the uncertainty I, I think one of the things that really struck me about that, um, we talked about you were doing that, was I know my instinct, and certainly for a lot of other leaders that I've been chatting to in that time of crisis, is to think, I'll go and do that when I get through the crisis. And, you know, right now is a time to kind of knuckle down and keep your head down and just try and get on the things. And I thought that was such an interesting decision you made that uh, in at the beginning of it, actually, uh, to go and seek out counsel, coaching, um, and those types of things, rather than uh, waiting until we kind of emerge out of it. And I suppose the thing that we all kind of know, and we're hopeful that this summer things might change, but the reality is that this thing has dragged yeah. on a lot longer than maybe any of us fully anticipated last March. Some huge wisdom in that. Um, <clears throat> just you're somebody who is very future oriented. You know, you're uh, always thinking and planning and dreaming and all that sort of stuff. How have you found that side of your gifting and personality in over the last year in that there's not a whole lot of that that you can actually do, or is there? I think you always can. Uh, at the start, I thought I found it frustrating because I thought things had stopped. So it wasn't so much the, the thing that, that it wasn't doable. It was the fact that I intentionally stopped dreaming and stopped um, thinking about the future. But that was just because of the environment. I allowed the environment to take dictate to me and and what was happening but once we once we started to find out what God is saying now and then it started to unlock stuff for the future for us the, the immediate future so mm. I guess for me it was trying I'm as a leader I don't know about you everybody's affected by different things I am very susceptible to the environment so it plays a big part in my life so environment is, is important to me and sometimes I need to tweak that so 
I found that frustrating at the at the time. I found it um, it hindered me, set me back, whatever language you want to use. But once I got my once I started think thinking outside the environment that we were currently in, then I was free to dream and to plan and to to push on. We we've probably seen more traction this last um, ten months, to be honest with you. And this is not bragging in any way than we did in the last in 2019. 2019 seemed to go way slower with traction and momentum um, than 2020 did, even with all the lockdown stuff and, and everything else. So tell, tell me what you mean by that. So when you say uh, when you say traction, what do you, what do you mean? I mean just life and fruit. Um, so for us, I, I just found, I was walking in the park the other day and I just, the, the thing that was obvious to me was I can get so busy in activity and see no productivity and so caught up with, yeah. with the flurry that we don't see fruitfulness. And, and it's a stop to see the fruitfulness this year. We've seen more people connect with this. We've seen prayer go through the roof. We've seen Holy Spirit ministry. We've seen um, people engage with their neighbors in the communities. Uh, we're an outward focused church, but sometimes that seems like you're pushing a lorry up a hill at times. But this year, I mean, we probably did way more outward stuff because we give people a fishing rod and we just didn't use one net this year. It was individual people connect and then the story started to ripple out from that. So, I mean, small things then became bigger things. Our compassion ministry grew, uh, our connection and our favour with our local council and our local politicians from MPs to local government increased like we've never seen. So, yeah. A lot of momentum, but not not activity, but productivity. Fruitfulness is probably a better word. And you know, what would you have you done any kind of uh, reflecting on that? Like, what what do you think changed, or is it just is that just a sovereign thing? God's just doing that, and he maybe wasn't doing that in two thousand nineteen. Or are there things that you feel like you and Michelle have kind of leaned into or prioritized that have kind of yeah, that I, I think it's been, obviously it's God and us, it's partnership. So like, you know, it wasn't just God did some move and we were unaware of it and we just stepped into it. I think there's a lot of intentionality in our part. Uh, we made a shift about two, three years ago where we prioritized um, our smaller groups and paid attention to the small, not the, the micro, not the, the macro. And, and we made the we made the very intentional and it was a difficult change actually when when we got into it of paying attention to the small the life flow of the church in the smaller scattered environments and and thank god we did because then we felt the attraction when we got into lockdown we had people that were scattered but felt connected with people that were scattered but felt they had uh, permission if, if that's the right word or yeah been given blessing to go and to do and to show up in their neighbors to show up by blessing, to show up by praying, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it was the intentionality of of paying attention to the small scattered groups of people and not the the, the bigger gallery. And so we, we flipped that the life of the church would be seen through our small groups, community groups, whatever language you want to use. And then it flowed into the the bigger the bigger gallery of the gallery. One of the things that I've always loved about you, Michelle, and how you lead, and I thought this really keyed into what Jordan was talking about this morning and the whole life of try, and it's certainly been my experience over the last year, is one of the things that the pandemic, I think, has done for us as leaders is all of a sudden, everything's mm. an experiment. So none of us have ever had to lead or do ministry in a, in, in a time like this before. And whilst that does create a whole lot of uh, potential anxiety and challenge and all that sort of stuff, one of the, the, the thing that I have found really liberating is as a leader getting able to stand up and say to the church, hey guys, we're just going to try this. Uh, we're just going to try this. We're just going to try that. Because right now, everything's an experiment. And certainly with my team on Monday morning, uh, one of our staff members was just mm. reflecting on that and just saying, look, guys, we've got to just forget about trying to do things uh, that's going to sound, uh, maybe uh, it's going to sound a wee bit of an assault on some of your ears. But she said, guys, we've got to stop worrying about trying to do things really well because most of what we're doing right now, we've never done before. And so we're not sure if we'll ever figure out how to do it well. I think the point is we just try and do it. 
And um, Jordan, of course, explained that from a um, kingdom theology standpoint this morning really well. But I think for us as leaders, um, when we frame things in that way, that's quite liberating right now. To The pressure's off to have it all figured out. The pressure's off to execute with excellence. What we've actually got the freedom to do right now is experiment. One uh, business leader, he actually is part of your church, said this to me uh, early on in the pandemic. He, from a coach of his, he said, Andy, it's really important you never, as a leader, you never waste a good crisis. And uh, really that was about trying to do things that we've never done before without the same risks or pressures to kind of get right. Um, because everything right now is an experiment. Um, just has, has there been anything that you have found uh, over the last year that has been uh, new or different that's been at the very core of how you lead or what, what's what been your kind of constant in the highs and the lows uh, and as you've adapted to, to everything that kind of this has thrown at you over, the, over yeah. the last year? It's a great question. It's a difficult question, to be honest. I think the constant for me and the constant became what I struggled with at the, at the start because I so wanted to do it but didn't know how to do it and that was ministry of the Holy Spirit. I, uh, when I walked into the vineyard in 1999, um, that was that was the thing that captured my imagination, which captured my heart, was this ministry of the Spirit, the welcoming of the Holy Spirit, and then ministering that to people. And then when we were shut down, when we were locked down and scattered, I found that very frustrating. I just I, I tried and tried to figure out really quickly, how do we start to be ministers? How do we be priests in this? And so... And, we adapted very quickly, um, responded very quickly. I guess what you're saying in the trying thing, we just, I just tried stuff, even though it seemed silly, even though you're looking mm. on this screen, we were praying for the sick, we were prophesying over people, we were inviting the Holy Spirit in the homes. And so what I did for me was a posture of the heart. I had to shift my thinking again and mind, and that's what most leaders need to do anyway, don't we? It's, it's, it's just, a, it's a mindset, a lot of it. For me, it was, it was becoming a priest, and I'm not saying that I, I became a whole different leader, but it was this mindset of becoming a priest. And I felt the Lord prophetically saying that to me more recently, actually in the new year. Uh, we've had this conversation, but I felt the Lord saying, I'm moving you from, from a leader to a priest. And I, was, I couldn't figure that out. But what he was saying was, I want you to minister the presence of Jesus to other people in this climate and in this time. So that's been the, the constant from day one in the vineyard and still is our constant today without ministry of the holy spirit we are stuck we're we're snookered so that 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 was something that was consistent and something that actually we were able to do it once we got off the got out of the mindset mm. i i think that's so challenging for us isn't it because you know the subject of this uh, seminar is adaptive leadership and uh how do we as leaders adapt to things and i think certainly in our movement uh and what we believe and practice um we would like to think i think that we're a hugely adaptive kind of people and um and the reality is that that can be true and at times for me it certainly can't be true too or isn't true um and I think I've been really reminded this last year how dependent we are on the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And if we are prioritizing the power and the presence, the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our lives, then that does, uh, the, the outworking of that is that we have to adapt and change. Um, I want to share a story, um, guys, that, um, it, it, it might feel loaded. I don't want it to feel loaded. I just think it's a really good example of what we're talking about here, uh, of how the voice of God in our lives forces us, if we're going to be obedient to it, to be adaptive at all times as leaders. So uh, we were given permission in the summer to um, come back to corporate worship from the 5th of July last year. I would say the majority of churches in Northern Ireland at that time decided not to and sort of came back sort of throughout the summer towards towards the autumn and uh, both myself and our team we were uh, trying to discern that prayerfully consider that and all that sort of stuff and we had a growing sense that the Lord was asking us as a local church family to wait and um, we didn't really know what that was about and the more of our 
friends' churches and the more other churches were going back to corporate worship, the, the higher the kind of pressure for us to kind of open the doors uh, to Sunday worship uh, became. And towards the end of August, I was praying at my desk and uh, I had a vision that was really clear and uh, really direct. I was standing in a hospital room and there was a lady on, an, on a life support machine and I just knew that the lady was our church. And um, I knew that the life support machine was our Sunday services. And as I was standing looking at this scene, the Lord walked into the room and spoke very clear to me and, and said, Andy, turn the machine off. And I said back, Lord, if I turn the machine off, she'll die. And he said, if she doesn't, I can't resurrect her. Uh, that wasn't one of those encounters with the Lord that you feel very comforted by or inspired by. Uh, I was tr literally trembling at the table. And I met with our staff the day after and shared that um, story with them. And there was a real sense from us that it was the Lord and that's what he wanted us to do. But there was a real sense of grief about it too. And uh, so we decided to not come back to corporate worship through the autumn and um we were trying to get back in december and then we had all sorts of lockdowns and we've had two so we've had two sunday gatherings in our building since march and i think one of the things that that has really um distilled for me was actually that um whilst that was a hard decision it was actually an easy decision in one way because it was clear it's from the lord and it did force us to adapt but one of the things that i think has been much more challenging for us as leaders is how do we adapt in the, in the midst of, uh, or in the absence of direct prophetic um, interruption? Uh, how, how do we exercise both uh, the prophetic and wisdom? How, how do we uh, adapt as leaders when we are uh, prayerfully seeking the Lord and at times we're not getting clear instruction? Jess, can you speak to that about how you guys have, uh, prioritize some of your decision making in the uh, it's not the absence of the voice of God you know what I mean God's voice is, pre is present to us but maybe absent from stuff that is as clear as that because I know in the summer the clarity of that word was actually really helpful for us but that's probably been the one time in the last year where we felt like God spoke that clearly so how have you guys navigated um your decision making whenever you don't feel maybe like there is a direct yes i want you and vcd or microfile to do this or that yeah I, I guess it's 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 an understanding again and awareness and i don't want to sound blasé and and not give you a real concrete answer it's it's about knowing who you are knowing what you're called to so i mean having this conversation years ago actually it was a thing that you ran and i was speaking and a, and a guy pulled me at the end because one of the answers I gave to a question, which is quite similar to the one you're asking now, is I said that a lot of the time our church is led not by the people in the church, but by those who are outside the church, by the needs in the local community. And so that actually frames a lot of our decision making. And and this guy was probably quite reformed in his theology, not that that had any bearings on the conversation that we had or the question that he asked, but he, he was really disturbed that I would make a decision outside of the voice of God on a local community who were not filled or born again by the spirit is the language he was using. But a lot of the decisions we made in the pandemic was a, a direct res, uh, re, response, not reaction, response to the local community and to what, what we sensed the father doing in the community as opposed to what he was doing within the walls because that was gone anyway. So we needed to think, where, what, what's, what's the voice in our community, what is the need in our community? Where's the hurt in our community? Where's the dreams in our community? If there are any, where's the pain in our community? And slowly but surely we started to adapt into that. And that actually changed how we did things and how we responded to things and had big bearings on uh, decision-making. I mean, just just recently, again, I know it's, just, it's we seem to be going down mm. the thing of church doors opening and closing. I don't want this conversation to become that, but, we had thought we were being closed again recently uh, in January. And then all of a sudden our politicians, what I would say, bottled it, the decision-making and, and allowed churches to open. Hmm. But we heard the community 
and we we loved our community and we really sensed that to serve our community not to contradict the message of blessing the community we decided to close way before the decision was ever taken so that's just a small practical thing that we did but i guess outside of the voice of god we were listening to the heart of our town our street our villages and what was actually happening then trying then to to lean into that and respond to that does that make sense that's a uh, totally, totally. I'm reminded of an old, an old friend of ours, Stanley McFarland, used to say to me all the time, when yeah. you know what your values are, decision-making is easy. And, um, you know, I think that is some of what you're, some of you're saying there. You know, if we're saying we're for this, and therefore what does, what does an expression in the current climate all the look like end, to achieve that? You just grab and, every um, current thing yeah, that's happening, you'll that. grab onto other church ideas. And some of those things are brilliant. They stimulate your imagination, they stimulate uh, action, and... Um, and, and get you to do something, which which I'm all for. I'm, I'm not against that. But unless you know who you are and what you're for, unless there's a, a confidence and there's something deep at the core, and that's why I think we need to explain what it means to adapt, because I think sometimes when we say the word adapt, we mean to do something totally, entirely different from what we've ever done before. Sometimes that, yeah, the language, we need to be careful with that. So I think, um, you know, not to be too direct or directive, but um, I think for everyone that's in the room, I think this idea of how do we as leaders adapt right now, or what does it mean to kind of live that way? I think what we're saying is the, the, the step before that is do you really know what your values are? Uh, do you really know what the what God has called you to um, as, a, as maybe as, a, as an individual, even as a corporate body? Do you know what the things are that the Lord has entrusted to you for your uh, community and those that are connecting to it? Mm -hmm. And I, I think when that's clear, then the the thing that's changing is what we're allowed to do in the culture and therefore if you know what your values are and you're very clear on what the lord has asked you as a church to to give mm -hmm. yourselves to then the adaption is well how do we do that under these current restrictions or um set of circumstances uh, one of the things that we we did with 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 that that maybe just helps illustrate that is in our compassion work uh, we get asked to do a lot of what we call home support. It's referrals from, from social services, the health trust, uh, uh, Simon community, homelessness, all that kind of stuff. And um, one of the things our team just started to do in the autumn was ask clients if they would like uh, prayer. And this might sound strange, guys, but we've never done that before directly because most of our partners were... Um, well, there were statutory agencies mm -hmm. and, you know, there's some some complexity there. But anyway, so we just started offering to pray for clients. And then we started to ask clients if they would like us to teach them how to pray. And I was chatting with some of our team last week. And every single person that they have asked if they would like us to teach them how to pray mm -hmm. has said yes. Mm -hmm. Every single one. They haven't a single person say no. And uh, we now have a volunteer in our compassion team who's phoning people every Wednesday uh, to help teach them how to pray. And again, that was just us trying to, I guess, creatively think through, can we do to express the things that we feel like the Lord has called us to right now that mm -hmm. caused us to maybe adapt or change certain things uh, that, we, that, that we were doing? Yeah, that thanks so much um, for clarity too. I'd love to... Yeah, uh, I'd love to maybe um, ask, have you had any uh, dreams or old visions reawakened at this time um, that you felt maybe were, were dormant? Yeah, yeah, I mean, small things, but I mean, one of the big things is that we, um, that was reawakened during the pandemic was ministry to those that were, just struggling mentally with their mental health. And that was something that was really reawakened in us this last two years. But we just we just felt like there was always obstacles and we didn't have enough money. We didn't have enough provision. And it was during the pandemic. <laughs> it's again, it's, it's that just the freedom to try I'm sure, uh, comes in that again. It's that that just was reawakened, reignited in different conversations, people speaking over us, the Lord speaking to us. And so that just gave us 
we just thought this if ever is the time to do it now is the time to do it and that just was hugely hugely clear there's clarity in that, that. but uh, but again like the, the things that were stopping us from doing that before were the very things that just seemed impossible now but yet the decision seemed easier now mm. um so yeah that that was one of the things i mean even in an inside thing something as simple as prayer like we had we had a vision for prayer and we talked about it and talked about it one of the things that that's happened during the, the lockdown of months nearly a year now is prayer has gone through the roof for us and that's just swelled our hearts that we always had a vision that we would pray 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 we've been praying church but you know we tried different things we opened church doors we had seven show up we had um, 14 and then that was a revival but the consistency of people praying and corporately yeah. praying with us now has gone through the roof and um, i know it doesn't seem like a big vision thing but for us this that was really really huge it was something that was passion a passion in our hearts it was something that we were frustrated with and exhausted with and thought how are we ever going to get people to pray um prayer in the life of vineyard church dungannon for the last 17 years has been the best if you want to use that word it's been it's been it's the highest it's ever been for people showing up people listening to god hearing from god so so the inward was prayer the outward was how do we respond to people that are struggling with mental health and so there's a lot that we're still working around that how to be a center how to use it um as a ministry as well as something very practical for a community how do we combine all that so that was something that was reawakened big time Good. for church yeah, I, can t I totally agree. We've seen the exact same thing, and we actually have uh, employed, uh, well, we've appointed a volunteer staff person a day and a half a week now who coordinates all our prayer stuff mm -hmm. because uh, we've never had the we've never had the amount of prayer going on that we we're seeing corporately, and uh, we've always kind of been against the church. We've just maybe assumed everybody's praying and done maybe a week of praying fast in a year or something like that, whereas. Um, we've all sorts of stuff going on there now that we've never seen before and uh, never seen a higher engagement level in it as well. Um, just one of, one of the things that, like, I suppose if we're talking about what are we adapting to <clears throat> is one of our jobs as leaders, of course, is, is that we are first followers, is that we're certainly in the kingdom and as church leaders, you know, I, I think our, our qualifications to lead are the fact that we're following Jesus first. And that can sound romantic and even sexy and a great idea, but when you throw that into, you know, marriage, homeschool, jobs, other things, pressures, complaining person, people, all that sort of stuff, um, coming back to, uh, Lord, what are you doing right now is such an important question, I know, for me, and I, I know it is for you. And uh, I, I'd love to spend a, a bit of time and then guys will we'll jump into some Q&A and try and get a bit of a conversation going with, with everybody. Um, we'd, we'd love to just talk a little bit about what do you sense uh, or see, uh, what do you feel like the, the Lord is doing uh, in these days uh, that will carry through this and, and out of this season? I get there's a number of things, Andy, but... We don't have it we don't have all day i think one of the big things for us is what the lord is doing with us in our context is moving paying attention to the small again it was a couple of years ago that we really wrestled with our senior leadership team and it, it seemed like i was being pedantic pedantic about words and that uh, they weren't getting it at the time and then we all got it um, and that was where we a church of small groups or we where we a church that had small groups and, and I didn't even know why that was such an urgent thing it just kept wouldn't leave me it wouldn't leave me and and to be honest with you I grew up in a Pentecostal background and for that it had a lot of connotations of uh, small house group meetings that I used to be part of as a kid and to be honest with you I sort of recalled even when I heard myself saying it it just brought up things in my heart and in my life that i thought i don't want to be part of that but then i really sensed the lord putting more heat on it more heat on it and so for us in the preparation and it's always we always think about when the doors open when the doors open well for us right now the preparation part is again it's a bit like finding out who we are we're moving from the bigger gallery being how you would view the the lens what the lens of our church looked like if you were looking at vineyard church and gallon what what window would you look through and so we're looking at homes 
we're looking at small environments where people can can um, flourish where life can take place regardless of the the structures whether they're open or closed and so for us that's the preparation part and I, and that's for the long haul for us I, I reckon that was two years ago that the Lord spoke to us on it um, I think it was November 2019 I woke up with a dream uh, I had a dream and it, the words 30 to 40 and it was a number thing again for me it was about paying attention to the the smaller gallant environments and that's not that we do away with with we I mean we love the corporate we love to be together we love i love preaching to and speaking to the bigger family we love worship together we love prayer ministry at the end we love the the whole together thing but i really really sense that the lord is is in the life of the church i guess the simple if we were using scriptural language it's activating for the first time maybe in the history of the church that I've been part of is that we can activate the priesthood of all believers, that it's actually possible in our day, in our time, for the church to actually see this become a reality where the church really is the priesthood of all believers. And and for that to happen, actually, it's it's for a leader, it can seem very scary, it can seem very daunting that we would relinquish, and you're not relinquishing, but we think it, we're, that we're relinquishing um, responsibility, that we're relinquishing our call to the church when actually our call is to release the church to be the priesthood of all believers and i think this is a very very crucial time for the church that we pay attention to the small where the life flow of the church can happen regardless of the structures regardless whether main buildings are open or closed and um yeah yeah i totally agree yeah i think i think the um the, the question that I've been, the two kind of big questions that I've been wrestling with and therefore what does it mean for me as a leader is what is being deformed right now in us as individuals, uh, in our families, uh, in our society and in our churches? Because the reality is that there is a lot of things that are being deformed. You know that uh, thing, you'll all be very aware of this where you see somebody that maybe you haven't seen for a long time at a shop or in the street or or you'll see somebody who's with somebody and your impulse at every other time in history would be to shake someone's hand and you have this really awkward kind of and you know that like oh yeah we're not we're not doing that I, because you don't want to seem rude that you don't want to shake their hand but then you don't want to shake their hand because that would be rude because you might give them a disease you know and so there, there's all this stuff that has been deformed in us and the church is no different that there are things that have just been assumed about how we express ourselves as jesus followers how we express our life in the kingdom of god there are all sorts of things for a long time that have been just assumed and the last year they have been deformed mm. and i think corporate worship is one of those mm. things and i'm really interested three or four or five years to the wider culture of large gathering and how people relate to those. And uh, I mean, I love corporate worship. Um, I was getting all sorts of texts at this, just before the previous session of the prayer before our legacy gathering a couple of years ago. It's one of my favorite places to be in a room with a load of people uh, worshiping Jesus together. But the reality is that I think uh, corporate worship and as how we knew it, has been deformed. Now it may, you know, be totally fine and be exactly like we always knew it was in the future, but it may not. And so for me as a leader, I'm asking that question, what right now has been deformed? And then equally, the other question that I'm asking is, what does this uh, current climate give us an opportunity to reform? What do we actually get to reform out of this? And one of the things for Dana and I, just in our family, that we have been able to do rhythm of devotion because neither mm. of us are coming and going. Her travel schedule is just stopped. I have no evening meetings, or if I do, in here on this computer, I don't need to get in the car and go somewhere. And so we're, we've been able to set seven o'clock aside for the five of us every single evening to have a family devotion. Uh, somebody quipped the other day that it's like we're running a mini monastery up here because we, we read the scriptures, we pray with our kids, and then they finish by uh, singing the doxology together. And, uh, but it's beautiful. But 
But our normal schedule and rhythm has been deformed and that's given us an opportunity to reform what that kind of looks like. And I think as leaders and as church leaders, especially guys, we need to be prayerfully considering the opportunities to reform what it means for us to be the church for the communities that we have been called to right now. This is an opportunity like we will perhaps never get again in our life. And so asking those questions, what has been deformed and what do we get an opportunity to reform with Jesus and with the people that we follow him with are so, so, so important. Mm. Um, I, I want to um, maybe uh, just before we jump into some questions, just ask you this question. What way should leaders be preparing as we get to the other side? Um, preparation really is about what we do now and um, how, how do we... Um, how do we prepare now for the future? Yeah, we, we put a lot of thought into this. And one of the things that has come up for us is how do you get, how do you bring new leaders to the table for what we want to do? So for us, if we're going to pay attention to the smaller and gatherings that the small leads to the flows, life flows from the small into the, the corporate, uh, how do we bring new leaders to the table? And so we're, we're paying attention to that. You know, we've got to be, you, that just won't happen when we get there. It's, you know, what happens in the now? What do you do with leadership? How do you release people in their gift? And how do you um, bring people in that? So we have, been, we have been paying attention to who are the people that are bringing, and this is not about if you do it our way or if you start, you know, if, if you say we're great, you're in. But we have been paying attention. Who are the people that are bringing solutions right now? Who are the people that are bringing something to the table? Who are the people that are, are currently engaging with the work of the Father and the life of the church now, not when it opens again. Who are the people that are bringing life? Who are the people that are easing or making the flow of life happen? So we're, we're figuring out how do we bring, how do you onboard leadership? How do you bring new people in the room? Uh, that's one of the huge things that we're trying to do right now in, in preparation. We're also trying to work really hard at connection right now the build community and mm. contact content is really important for us. We're not saying it's not, but right now connection um, trumps content. And I think you probably used to. Mm, good. And so for us, we're trying to figure out lots of ways to, to connect people. How do we keep people together together? We just keep talking about that uh, in any environment that we can. It's, it's a word together. So for us, the preparation part is bringing leaders to the table people that are bringing solutions people that are bringing life and how do we stay together so how many connection points can we possibly have how can we keep together and it's not about keeping the people together for the sake of fear or that we're going to lose the church it's about actually how do we keep life how do we stimulate the people to be the priesthood of all believers mm. in this time so connection point connection Good. connection point so that does that answer the Good. question just um, your benefit, Luke, what we're just talking about there is how uh, connection trumps content right now uh, for us at churches. Um, uh, I totally agree with that. Um, we, we've been saying to our guys, like I said earlier, everything's an experiment. We can't have enough different points of connection for the wider community and for our church family. Uh, prayer appointments online. Uh, hots on Zoom, pre-service prayer meeting on Zoom, Coffee and Connect on Zoom after church, mom's groups, dad's groups. Uh, we just can't have enough points of connection. Uh, right, right. Um, guys, we've, we've 15 minutes. Uh, uh, love to kind of just uh, ha bring the rest of you in. What, what, what you're kind of feeling, sensing, seeing. If you can keep, if you've got a question, feel free to type it into the chat bar now. Um, if you could do us a favor and try to keep them as distinct as possible, that will just help us um, read them a bit quicker. If you have a comment that you'd like to just reflect on the last uh, five minutes of what we've chatted about, we can do that. Speak a little bit about anything you've done to encourage more prayer in this season or are you doing the same things you've always done to get more people and more people are just on board. So Neil, <clears throat> one of the things we did was we appointed your staff person. Now, not everyone will be able to do that, but 
uh, we just felt like this was something that we wanted to give way more attention to. Jess, will you just keep an eye on que other questions coming in yeah. there while I speak to this, and then we can um, jump back and forward. So, so we, um, so we appointed a volunteer staff person before it got crazy, and their job was to kind of create environments and opportunities and ways to do that. And we were blessed to have somebody in our church who was both able to do that and had the time to do that. And uh, and then the other thing, which again, this would just be normal leaders for for us as leaders, we just talked about it loads, and so we ran a campaign last year called State Your Post, and uh, it was just twenty four seven prayer from we did uh, we ran twenty four seven prayer from uh, the middle of March through to the end of June, and uh, we just kept it going, and I just talked about it loads that this was a moment for us as a church to just lean into that. Uh, those are a couple of uh, ideas. Having a virtual prayer room with 24-7, if you don't have one, they're the easiest thing in the world to set up. And I'd really encourage you to, to just uh, to, to sign up for that and, and, and do it. And then, of course, stories um, always helps of people connecting with prayer and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah. Um, hopefully that's helpful, Neil. Um, uh, you mentioned hearing needs of your community. How did you do that? Um, for, for us, uh, Jess, you guys can speak to this too, but um, like one of the things that we've just done for the last nine years is invest in our community. And so we um, are maybe in a really privileged position where we now, uh, we don't really have to be overly proactive at going to our community, uh, the health trust, the police, social services, most of our major uh, charitable agencies in the city will phone us on a, uh, if not weekly, bi-weekly basis with chat opportunities, things that they need. Uh, we've just built a reputation in our city that uh, if you don't know, if no one else can help you, and this came from social services, this isn't my quote, uh, social services uh, sent us a lovely card at Christmas that said if, if they can't find anyone else to help, they know that we will. And um, I just think that's a result of our compassion team over years being present and prepared to do uh, what, whatever happens. One of the things I say to our church all the time, if you take what happens at Pentecost, uh, one of the first fruits of the Holy Spirit is the attention of the city. And uh, so for me, any time I feel like the Lord brings the attention of our community to us, it, 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 I prioritize that. And uh, we've done that for nine years. And so um, I would just wherever you can and look for the places where uh, the Lord is bringing the attention of your community to you and uh, that might be emails, phone calls, somebody puts a call out on Facebook for hey we need something, just be responsive and grow in your reputation as the people who will always show up and uh, I know that's very true for Jason and Michelle down in the gallon that they are known in that community for the people that will always show up and uh, that's what we really aspire to do as well. Did you see any uh, other questions there you think would be Lots helpful? Questions to are flying here. Um, priesthood of all believers and community groups. How do you how do you do that? Basically, is that we, what we do is we pay attention to that particular group rather than trying to clone every group. That we pay attention to the group leader and how they're releasing people uh, in the group. So I don't know if we do a lot different than you would do in a bigger context. Just it's it's smaller. So in a smaller group, we we actually. We see more life. We somebody brings stuff into the table, so it's it's a lot easier to do. It's a lot easier to, to release. And so for us again, it's it's paying attention to the dynamic of the group instead of trying to clone each group. Because you'll find out within each group, there's different personalities, there's different giftings. And if we try to make models really structured models, then it's very hard for people to function in their gifting. And what God has called them to do. So we pay attention to the dynamic of the group instead of um, putting structure and program into the group. That's a probably very loose answer, but that's probably one of my best uh, helps for you or advice to release people and is pay attention to the dynamic of the group and not keeping the structures very very tight in each group. Brilliant. Um, Sarah Louise asks, how do you keep people engaged and actively involved, especially when all on different journeys with God? Um, so Sarah Louise, one of the things I, I would say to that is, uh, it's not my job to keep people engaged and actively involved. 
And I, I know that that sometimes can feel a bit of help, for, but uh, part of my job is to, uh, <laughs> in submission to the Holy Spirit and Jesus, of course, set the direction of where we're headed, any opportunities possible for people to uh, become engaged and active in that. And then I want to be involved with the people that are engaged and active in that. And so uh, one of the things I say to my team all the time is it's not my job to convince anyone of anything. Um, so I, my job is to hear the Lord and help us hear the Lord together, clearly articulate that, prioritize that. And then we journey with who gathers around that. And that can be painful at times. That can be uh, difficult and challenging at times. Uh, but, but that's been really helpful for me, particularly at this time. And one of the things that I've really noticed, which again has been painful and difficult, is the, the people who have really got on board what they're doing over the last year um, aren't the people that I would have thought. And some of the people that I thought would have been at the front of the queue are, are really, really not. And uh, some of them have been dear friends too. And that's been really, really tricky mm. um, and emotionally turbulent. But I, I think for me, it's just clear to know what, what am I responsible for? And uh, for me, I'm, I'm not responsible to keep people engaged. That's not my job. Um, I, I, like I do want to care for people and I want to create opportunities for people to be engaged. But if somebody decides to tap out, then, um, God, God, God bless them. And um, you know, I, I can't, I can't. Uh, certainly, in church the size of ours, I, I just can't be chasing all of those types of uh, things and people. Um, do you say anything else that, Jeff? No, I would just reiterate what you're saying. We, we found it refreshing, actually, and some and sad at the same time is that there, there's been people that we thought would have journeyed through this season with us and and been stronger in leadership and. And it hasn't been the story at all, and we've been saddened by that. But then, at the same time, we found people who were um, maybe not frontline leaders or upfront leaders who were just brilliant, brilliant volunteers. But they're now actually making decisions, and they're actually we're bringing them into the conversation of decision making, not just action and things. So that's been really, really refreshing. On keeping leaders, as you say, it's not our job to keep anybody. It's our job to communicate clearly. It's our job to tell the story that God is speaking through us and to us. But it's not our job to keep people. I think your only obligation is to communicate the vision and the story of God for your particular community and what God has called you to do. Other than that, you can't keep people. And those who catch the story and those who catch what what the vision is, um, th those are the people that you pay attention to. Not, and you still, you love everybody, you serve everybody. But does everybody get a seat at the table in leadership? No, not at all. We find that our table has shifted considerably. Those that were, again, just those people that were before carrying out the decisions that we were making are now actually making the decisions that are bringing us fruit. So that's been super exciting to watch. Yeah. Um, Luke Martin asks, do you think there's a balance to strike between this pandemic, feeling like God giving us a prolonged Sabbath, to prepare for the new season, the B season, the new season, and equipping leaders to work and serve right now. Um, <laughs> I I wish this felt like a Sabbath to me. Um, yeah, but I I think I think I hear what you're saying in terms of um, like there's a there's a lot that feels like it's stopped right now. Um, I I think for me the season that we're in, and just let talk through this a little bit. Uh, the season that we're in, I feel like feels like a wilderness season for the church. And, uh, you know, wilderness is not always about punishment, actually. You know, you know, yeah. um, you guys all know this. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. Uh, the wilderness is a really important place for the people of God and for followers of Jesus. And I think for me, the wilderness is about three things. Uh, it's about preparation. What do we need to let go of? It's about formation. What do we need to grow in? And it's about uh, trans territory are we moving into? And I totally agree with you, Luke, that I think there is a new season coming. I think there is new territory that the Lord wants to prepare his church to occupy. Mm -hmm. And I think our ability to do that will be determined by how we posture ourselves in this current season. And so for me, the questions I'm asking myself about that right now are what do I need to let go of? What do I need to grow in? And what do I uh, think the Lord, uh, what's the new territory that I think the Lord is, is leading us into? The other thing I would just say quickly about uh, 
uh, wilderness and there's a really fun word study you can do in this in Luke's account of Jesus in the wilderness but uh, the beginning of that account it just says that Jesus goes into the wilderness uh, full of the Holy Spirit and then he's tempted and tested in the wilderness and then at the end of that it says that he comes out of the wilderness in the paw and I think that's a really key thing for us to pay attention to of what I think the Lord is doing in this season um, is I think there is a, um, a new level of power that he wants the church to grow in and occupy mm-hmm. that is for the new season coming. That's all just uh, my own kind of prophetic sense in the spirit. But um, that's why for me, this doesn't feel necessarily like a Sabbath. It feels like a wilderness. It feels like testing. It feels like letting go of things. It feels like growing in things. But it does feel like anticipating things too, which is exciting. Can I um, come on here very quickly? Um, I, I think one one of the things, somebody yeah, asked a question yeah. about mental health stuff. What are we doing in that? I really sense that as churches has have had compassion, as that rose, as, as we lent, leaned into healing years and years ago, I think every church will have a mental health ministry or hope for mental health. I think we, as the Church of Jesus, I don't know, to be honest yeah. with you, to answer your question, what are we doing right now? We're doing very little, but we're trying something. And we're engaging with counselors. We're engaging with health workers. We're working really, really hard with our our statutory bodies in mental health and our hospitals and listening to them and pointing people that direction and engaging with them. But I re- I think I said it in 2018 at the, at the NLC uh, from the platform that just as Vineyard was known for, for healing of physical bodies, that we would also now be known for a place where people could come for uh, find healing in their mental health and I, with the pandemic it is only it's only made it um it's only highlighted it more that i would say every local church that you need to find a space and a place even if you can't do it yourself we're going to have to turn our attention to to mental health and the pandemic that we're we're facing because uh, it's not going to get any better and that's not a doomsday prophecy that's just the reality of our current situation at the moment Uh, guys, I think we're we're about out of time. I, I think this will turn off at half past two, and so before it does, I just want to say thanks so much for for tuning in. Um, hopefully, you've distilled something helpful and encouraging out of that. Um, I, I just want to say again, you guys are doing a hard thing. You're doing it so well. Bless you as you hang on to Jesus and the things that He's asked you to do for the communities uh, that you are planted and rooted in. Um, that's us. God bless. See you soon. Maybe we can keep going, but I think I have to. I was told that they were going to turn us off, but uh, who knows? It's like the bar um, still open. I know, 107. We can count them down as an 805, 104. 103. Um, thanks, guys. See you later. Um, yeah. Um, Thomas is staying. Thomas says he's staying. I was just going to comment. I was just going to comment on Thomas. I wish I could see his face. Or maybe just FaceTime him now. Yeah. We should just stay to our, to our right? It's like yeah. bar time again at the NLC. I know. Yeah, tell, yeah, they'll come and turn the lights off in a minute or two. Um, yeah, I think you said that to me years ago, just didn't you, about uh, outward focused churches and mental yeah. health ministry? And it's just, it's just um, uh, you know, I think it's the really fear of where to start that you don't start. Mm, yeah. yeah. Joe is right. <laughs> right. I, I maybe, uh, if I need, does that help us? We're starting currency service in February 2020. Brilliant. John, that sounds class. When John writes it, say, John normally has to come and check us out. I don't know if that's a rebuke or praise. Yeah. I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, it's praise. Um, there we go. Brilliant. Um, um, maybe we should, should I, I don't know if we're going to get in trouble if we keep on here. Um, talk nonsense. You could tell inappropriate jokes. Yeah, yes, you're good at that. We throw me under the bus, off. Andy. Thank <laughs> you.
James Twig says, pray to finish. That's good. That's the good idea, James. Let me pray for you, for the rest of you that are here. Um, JC, pray for yeah, us. Well, I just pray for um, just eyes to see and ears to hear what you're doing right now in this moment, not when we're open, not when things are back to normal, not when we get to do the things that we love to do, but what are you seeing? What are you dreaming over our churches, over our communities right now in this season, Father God? And I pray more than anything right now for the courage for the courage to do, to try, and to, yeah, begin something that that actually blesses our communities, our streets, and our villages, and our towns right now. And so, I just pray right now, and I actually just I I command your spiritual ears to be open to hear what the Father is saying and dreaming over you right now in this very moment in this pandemic, right the second. And so, God, would you just open our ears? open our eyes as we look up and look into the kingdom god we we thank you that it has come that it is here and that it is now with us and we taste the powers of the present age in this current uh, reality god so god bless i bless your church to dream i bless your church to see mm. and to hear i pray this in the strong name of jesus christ of nazareth amen